Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to our Conversations on Care, a Facebook talk show that brings together our healthcare partners, our clients, our caregivers to help families better understand and cope with the challenges of uh, chronic, their parent, aging parents with chronic care needs. <clears throat> My name is Julie Collada, and I'm the founder and president of Open Arms Solutions. And Open Arms is a home care agency serving the Chicagoland area, focusing on inspired home care solutions for seniors with chronic conditions such as dementia, Parkinson's, and other movement disorders. It is our mission to help families through this difficult journey and to know that their loved one is living their best life possible. If you find these dialogues helpful, please give us a like and share so that it, this information can reach more people who need it. If you have a question or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please write them in the comments below. and We'll do our best to get it on a program. I am so happy to say that today we have Amy Clem, who is the transitions manager mm -hmm. at the beautiful Claire uh, to discuss the role of social workers in healthcare. And we're doing this very purposefully because this is social worker month. Mm -hmm. And the theme this year is the time is right. And I actually had to look this up what that meant, the time is right. I guess every year, Amy, there's a theme for right. National Social Workers Month. Mm -hmm. And you know what? When I looked up what it meant, it made inc incredible um, sense to me. You know, it, this year's theme was, was really inspired by the additional support that social workers provide and the country is really needing right now recovering from the this unprecedented two years of the challenges with COVID-19. So the time is right for social workers uh, is absolutely the case. So excited that you're you're our guest. Well, thank you for having me, Julie. You're very welcome, Amy. It's, my, it's our pleasure. It's my pleasure for sure. And, you know, you and I have known each other. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were just recently reminiscing Yes, that we've known each other over 10 years. That is true. I think you were one of the first people um, that I met when I started here at the Claire as a social worker. Yeah. And it has just been a, you know, a pleasure partnering with the, your community because you do such an amazing job and taking care of people. In all, well, you, and we're, yeah, we're going to be guys do too. So it's a here we have a love fest. I mean, open arms well, does it is. It's true. Amazing job as well. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate, it. and that's when you tend to partner with people that are like minded and have similar mm -hmm. values and and really intention to to do the right thing for people. And there's no doubt you and your team have that at the Claire. So it's really thank you so much. A pleasure to to be partnering with you. Thank you. Uh, so. It's always fun when we have guests on the program to start with because people want to know. Mm -hmm. Did you always know you wanted to be a social worker at one point in your life? Nope. Did you know <laughs> and what really inspired you to get there? Sure. So um, my background, um, my undergrad was really in journalism. So I was very interested in that. Um, and after I graduated, I had some wonderful opportunities to work in um, radio here in Chicago. Um, and I think 
that at some point in time, I realized, you know, I, I don't, I don't like just reporting on the, the problems that people have. You know, I want to be part of the solution. And maybe that was a little naive of me. Um, but, you know, I really felt like I wanted to be somebody that, that um, made more of a difference with, with my career choice. Um, so at that point, um, I went back to graduate school at um, Loyola and I, I got my master's. And um, so I've been, I graduated in uh, 2000. So it's been, whew, it's been a, it's been a while now. It's a blink of an eye. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great story. And, um, you know, I think that you are, there's no question that you are making a difference. Right. I, I feel like we do every day. Um, you know, there, that, there's challenges in healthcare. A hundred percent. We all deal with challenges. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the good that we do because it's it's a constant, you know, and we're going to talk more about what social workers do in just a moment, but it's a yep. lot of navigating for people. And, yep. you know, and also really meeting people where they are in their journey. And often it's a very challenging place. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, you know, to, to be able to be there for um, a patient or a resident or their families and, and help them navigate what is sometimes just an overwhelming situation, um, you know, is at the end of the day that 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 makes me feel good if, if I can help make a difference for them. You know, I can I can just share with you too, and I, I've said this different times on my program, and my team certainly knows this. I never expected to be running a home care company because my background, I'm not a nurse. I'm not I a social remember. Yeah, I remember. And, and um, I had uh, had the opportunity and privilege to run some other companies. Mm -hmm. And then my mom, you know, all right. of a sudden was um, diagnosed with a mixed dementia, and she couldn't take care of herself anymore. And so I went through, and my family went through this journey with her. Mm -hmm. And we interacted with all sorts of people in the healthcare world. And at the end of that journey, I was very, I was very moved by what they did and how they helped. And they made such a big difference for me and my family mm -hmm. that I said, oh my gosh, if I could, if I could offer a value here, that would be so much more meaningful to the other, than the other things I've always done, which I've always loved in, you know, starting other companies in business. But right. I thought, oh my God, that would be what a gift to be able to help families. And, and, and it really is, you know, it really is. There's nothing, it's hard. I've told it people, is. I've never done anything harder, more mm -hmm. challenging. Right. But I've never done anything more meaningful. So. Exactly. Exactly. And you're, you're, again, you're wonderful at it. So. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that, Amy, very much. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you. So, is it just curious for people because it's National mm -hmm. Social Workers Month? Sure. What do you study? Is so, what do what do social workers study? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, social workers study a lot of theory. Um, as far as um, we look at individuals, we look at groups, we look at families, and we look at different theories. Most of them, you know, psychological theories, because obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover with social work and psychology. Um, and just how to, like what you were saying, meeting people where they are, um, you know, using the empathy that hopefully that you have as, as a person going into social work, how to, how to use that and, and 
and work with people. Um, you know, interestingly enough, my background has been in healthcare and aside from sort of the mental health piece in, in social work school, um, they don't, they don't, um, you being, uh, in healthcare, you tend to learn a lot more during your, um, internships. Um, if, you know, if that's, your going to be your focus. Um, so, cause they don't, they don't really teach you about like na navigating necessarily the healthcare system. Sure. Um, you know, you, you, you do learn about sort of community resources and things like that for people. But, um, I, I would say like, as far as sort of healthcare social work, it's really, you, you really learn sort of at, you know, on site. Um, on the job. Yeah, on the job, not necessarily yeah. in the classroom. So, um, sure. you know, I, I've been fortunate and had a lot of like amazing, oh my gosh, amazing social workers and nurses and doctors and, you know, dietitians, just all kinds of people. I've been very fortunate and I've learned so much along the way. Um, so, um, yeah. <laughs> and you really have a big job at the clerk. I mean, it's, um, and, we're, and again, we're going to talk a lot more about that, but, um, uh, you know, it's a beautiful community. Mm -hmm. It's it's considered a, the, the terminology, most people don't know, but you, Mamie and I know it's a CCRC. It's a continuing care retirement community. So you're, you're having, you're working with families that are in, in independent living. Mm -hmm. And I know more, you particularly do more of, Mm -hmm. uh, when uh, individuals need more assistance in your community, right. you navigate that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's a it's a very big job. Um, yeah, and I, I you know I started as the social worker here, like when we met, um, you know, a little over ten years ago. Um, so, and I was the social worker in the skilled nursing because you know part of what you said, continuing care retirement community, is you have all these different levels of care. So we have independent living, assisted living, we have a memory support unit, and then skilled nursing. So obviously the idea is when you move into a place like the Claire, you, you buy an apartment, and then you also sort of buy into something called life care. So as, you're, as you age, you're aging in place. Um, if your needs become greater than what can be managed in your independent living setting, then you might move to assisted living or memory support or to skilled nursing for, for long-term care. Um, you know, our, our internal residents also do take advantage of our skilled nursing um, for short-term rehab needs after a hospitalization. Um, but we're also fortunate that we're able to offer all the wonderful services in skilled nursing to folks that don't already live in the community. So if they have a, you know, a short-term need, after a hospitalization, we're able to to help them, rehab them, and help them back to the you know back to their home outside in the community. Yeah, that's and that's so important. And, and we're going to talk about you know often um, you know the the journey, and this is certainly what I learned with my mom, and now in the almost fifteen years that Open Arms has helping families. Uh, not always, not always, but often a family's journey with their loved one, some event happens, some acute event happens, yep. a fall, a heart attack, a stroke, you know, all sorts of different things that wind them up in the hospital. 
And, and let's just talk a little bit about what social workers do in their role then Mm -hmm. where that journey often starts. Yeah. So happy to talk about that. I do want to say that, you know, as a family and as someone with aging parents myself, I do think it's important to be having these conversations before you're at the point where it's an acute event and and you find yourself in the hospital somewhat panicked, um, you know, and not sure what to do. Um, I think as, you know, adult children, it's important to, these are hard conversations. I mean, you know, when you're healthy and robust, you, you, you don't want to be having these conversations because they're scary, right? Um, but I think it allows folks that, um, to have some control over sort of what, what comes next, what's going to happen. And, and, um, it allows your kids to, to know, Hey, you know, I'm to maybe not have some of that guilt sometimes that, that someone might have, um, and to know that you're doing what your, you know, what your parents want. Um, or so well said and so important. Yeah. Yeah. And all too often we are faced with that, you know, that event. Yeah. And it's so difficult and challenging and just yeah. so stressful for the family. A hundred percent. When they don't, when that conversation hasn't happened. Yes. It's, it's much, much harder when the conversation doesn't happen. Um, Cause then there's all these sort of what ifs because what the social worker in the hospital can can help. I mean, I always see, I I, I always see social workers either in the hospital or even you know in a um, in my community. We're, we're sort of the catch-all. If you don't know who to talk to, start with the social worker yes. um, because even if they don't know the answer to the question, they're going to find that person for you or they're going to get that answer. Um, because they're part of, you know, that multidisciplinary team and they're kind of the ones that help pull it all together. So, so that's what the hospital social worker can be that person for you. Um, because it's, you know, it's hard to sometimes catch the doctor. It's hard to get a hold of the nurse sometimes. Um, sometimes the social worker might be hard to get a hold of, but they will get back to you. Um, you know, and that person can really help sort of be your partner and help sort of guide you through what the next steps are um, after leaving the hospital, whether that is, um, you know, that they need short-term rehab in a community um, and they can help you find that community or whether that's going home with additional caregiver services, um, you know, they can help be that resource and provide those things for you and have those conversations with you, with your parent or, or older loved one, um, you know, in terms of what's what's next and, and really help guide you. Yeah, that's um, an incredibly important role that social workers play. And in addition, um, you know, there's so much confusion and questions about the Medicare system, insurance, Mm -hmm. how, you know, I'm imagining, you know, and I'm sure you get these questions at the clear, and I'm sure social workers, I mean, social workers, that I've worked with in the hospital systems, mm-hmm. you know, they are, they do everything that you just described mm-hmm. and they have to be aware of, oh, you have this insurance plan mm-hmm. and yep. this insurance plan 
is going to allow you to stay in the hospital for X amount of time if you need it more, or it's not. Yeah, we got to We really got to get the whole team together, meaning the family together mm -hmm. and people within the hospital to make these recommendations. And so, frankly, you know, it not to cut you off, but like insurances, like they want you out of the hospital. It is not like in, in the in the old days where you know, you'd go in and it was like, I'm going to convalesce in, in the hospital for two weeks. I mean, they it, it they want to they do not want to keep you there very long. Yes. So, um, yeah. you know, a lot of the calls I got is like they're they just told me they're discharging, you know, my mother tomorrow. And I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't I'm not sure what the next step is. Right. Um, you know, so again, going back to what I said before, that's why it's important to sort of have these conversations before you're at um, you know, this point where there's an acute event. Um, so maybe you've, you've already done some planning or, you know, um, made some connections with either, you know, communities or caregivers, uh, organizations, just, just so you're prepared. Yes. It's so important. Well said. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, you know, the other thing that social workers do, and we don't want to gloss over this, I mean, certainly in the hospital, they do everything that you just described, and they're 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 really you know kind of the key portal of communication with the interdisciplinary team to the family back and forth. Right. But and I can think of now in my case, my personal case with my mom, mm -hmm. uh, when my my mom was uh, you know uh, my mom was diagnosed with a mixed dementia. She had some psychotic events, which means that she she couldn't stay home safely and she needed to get stabilized. It was a very frightening time for me and my family, right? It's hard. It's hard. But I'll never forget the social worker. There's one in particular at Evanston Hospital. I mean, literally held my hand. <coughs> and, you know, that's the that's the empathy and the yes, the social workers are are responsible for all the things that we just described. Yep. And while yep. navigating all that, yeah, you know the the they they're in the right role when they in amidst, amidst all the the hecticness, they can like this individual did, just that held my hand, allowed me to cry, yep, and um, which was which which was everything, and so you know that's the that's the amazing role, uh, besides all the technical things social workers have to. Just yeah, I, we yeah. have to sort of walk that line of of uh, how to how to do the, sort of the very very practical stuff, and then to remember that you know that empathy and and to be there for that person. Yeah. Um, you know, they they don't teach empathy in social work school, so <laughs> um, I, I so my feeling is is either you you got it or you don't. Um, you know, yeah. but it it is a really really important part of. Um, of who social workers are. Uh, completely agree. Mm -hmm. So um, let's just talk a little bit more about um, some specific things that you and your team do for mm -hmm. families at, at the Claire. Sure. Um, so what, so someone is, is uh, let's just start with someone mm -hmm. is considering or needing care, you get a phone call. We were just yep. talking about this before we went live. Yep. 
Yep. You get a phone call, yep. could be over the weekend, often is, yep. often on a Friday. Yep. What what do those conversations sound like? Yeah, my favorite are the three o'clock phone calls on a Friday. Those are those are always very exciting. Um, so usually, um, you know, un unfortunately, it's there's been usually an, an acute event, and 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 someone's loved one is in the hospital, um, and so it might be a call from the social worker, or it might be a call from the family member. Sometimes it's even a call from the, the patient or, or, you know, prospective resident themselves. Um, and they might just want to be, um, as far as for the, for the families or that resident, they might be calling to just get more information about what we can provide in skilled nursing um, in terms of their stay um, and how would they get a referral into us. Um, and that's where the social worker piece comes in. So um, the social worker, so my role here as a transitions uh, manager is um, I sort of oversee the admission process and then I work with our social worker here on, on the discharge planning. Um, so when that, the, the social worker at the hospital would send us a referral either electronically or over fax machine, we still use fax machines. <laughs> um, and then our clinical team, which is made up of um, nurses, um, dietitian, uh, various therapy folks, so physical occupational speech therapy, um, and our social worker. Um, we would all take a look uh, together at what is going on with this person. Um, what are their needs? Are we able to meet their needs? Can we provide the care that they need? Um, you know, so it's a successful rehab stay. Um, if we determine that it is, then um, we would look at the insurance. You were talking about insurance before um, to see if they've met hospital criteria to, to use their skilled nursing Medicare benefits. Um, or if they have an insurance, um, we, we might need to call and get pre-certification, get the okay from that insurance to admit them. Um, so, once that's all done, if we have a bed, then we're able to to admit that person. And once that person's admitted, they they, they get to meet everybody. So um, they you know are are they have assessments done by the nurse. They um, they're seen by the doctor. Um, we uh, have you know dietary goes in. Our social worker goes in. Um, therapy does their evaluations, and um, the social worker then usually will set a care plan meeting with the resident and any family members that they, they would like. Um, the sort of IDPH guidelines or best practice guidelines for a care plan meeting is within the 20 is within 21 days of someone's admission. Um, but we try and do that a little bit sooner because people are kind of eager to know, sure. Hey, what's going on? Um, you know, and we don't want them to be surprised um, by you know, we don't want to be like the hospital where we come and say, hey, you're leaving tomorrow because, well, we wouldn't do that. But um, we want to sort of get people thinking again about what's what's the next step. We're, you know, for short term rehab, we're just a step along the way to to the next step. So, you know, what is that going to look like? Again, will will somebody need assisted living? Will they need to hire additional caregivers at home? Will they need home therapy? Will they do outpatient therapy? So we start looking at all of those things and discussing those things as a team with the resident and the family. Yeah, that's um, 
that's a crucial part to get everybody on the same page and really communicating. Um, so you do that initial care plan and mm -hmm. care plan is, I think you, you've, you describe it already, but yeah, but for people who don't really know a, a care plan, break it down a little bit more. I know it's, it's sometimes it's a little confusing. Um, so, so the, the, there's a care plan meeting is basically what we call it. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're talking with the resident, the family, with each other all along, but we try and set a time for us all to sit down and, and review everything, um, you know, medications, vitals, um, you know, how's their skin integrity? Um, how are they doing in therapy? How, how are they eating? Um, you know, and take all that and then sort of anticipate, you know, when they might be ready to leave and um, what they might need. Do you invite families to those care plan meetings? We can. A lot of times, oftentimes we do. Um, you know, it's, it is, um, it's up to the resident, really. We want to include that resident. Um, and uh, oftentimes they do want their family involved. Um, you know, if the resident is not able to maybe meaningfully understand what is happening in the care plan, then certainly, you know, we'll look to the power of attorney for healthcare um, to, to be a person to be at that meeting as well. Um, it's a very important, very important piece as well, the power of attorney for healthcare. That is also yes. something people should look at doing, um, yes. you know, before um, you get to crucial. a- Crucial, It is crucial. It is absolutely crucial. Again, it allows you to remain in control of your care in a way when, when you might not be able to tell people what you what you want. Um, it is it is very, very important. Yeah, we, we recently had a guest that was an attorney, an estate planning attorney. Mm -hmm. And I think we've been doing this program for over a year and a half. And we this topic keeps coming up because yeah. we all know that in this industry, how critical it is that families have those conversations early and really identify some really key things. And that's- because, because you, I mean, I've, I've had cases in my career where you have six children, you've got mom, there is no power of attorney for healthcare. There is nobody, no, nobody ever had these conversations and both sides of the family, you know, the family splits in two, they're fighting, things get ugly and, you know, go to court. I mean, it just, there's, there, it does not have to be that way. It's very preventable. Right. Right. And I just, as you, you know, you, you touched on it earlier on and none of us want to think about this. Right. When everything's okay. And we are kind of, we, I know I often navigate my life this way. What's urgent? <laughs> Which of my four kids needs my attention? You know, have I paid enough attention in this area of my life? Right. Am I exercising? Right. Am I meditating? Right. Am I, have I called this person? And we yeah. all do that. Like we're so yeah. busy. So we, it's the thing that's urgent that, usually gets our attention and right. not necessarily the thing that's so vitally important. Correct. And so, um, you know, I, I am, uh, I think many of us in healthcare, uh, you know, my husband and I uh, went to an estate planning attorney and he had that all taken care of. And it, it's just a big, <sighs> yeah, it's just a big relief yeah. to know. And I, you know, I think that uh, in my case with my mom, I, I was not successful at getting her 
to talk about yeah. things like this, or, nor was my brother or my sister. And so it was a panic when it all happened. Yeah. It's, just, uh, it's something we all want to try to prevent. Yeah. Um, we were, we were, we've, we've covered a lot of different things here. Can you give, um, and we're almost out of time. I told you this would go very fast. It went very fast. <laughs> and um, there's other things that social workers do, right? There's other parts. I mean, it's not just in the healthcare centers. Sure. It's, you know, there's a there's other kinds of ancillary, and I don't mean less important when I say ancillary, just different roles social workers play. Mm -hmm. Many geriatric care managers are social workers. Correct. And so, you know, and that role for people who don't know, we've we've had guests on the program uh, that are geriatric care managers, but for people listening that don't know, the way I describe a geriatric care manager is kind of the adult daughter, a, a paid adult a daughter who happens to be a professional mm -hmm. um, and can really, you know, be there for the senior uh, when the adult children can't be either yep. because they're out of town or they're just whatever their life is, they just can't be available. Yep. You know, that critical visit to the doctor to really listen to the doctor and understand the instructions yep. the doctor is giving or that unfortunate emergency visit to the ER and, you know, being there actually at the hospital, you know, if no one else can be there and reading and understanding the discharge plan. Right. And what the key follow-ups are and what that care plan is. And often that geriatric care manager probably may have um, a POA, may or may not have power of attorney, depending. But yep. they're then attending if there is a care plan meeting. Yep. They're they could, they would they be attending that, that person. Meeting. Sure. Sure. They would be that person. So, and that often is a social worker. Right. And then, of course, there's social um, social workers that are in practice and do counseling. Yep. That play an incredibly vital role uh, mm -hmm. for families. There are social workers that, you know, that do individual counseling, family counseling. Yep. Um, what am I missing? What are we missing, Amy? I mean, there's just so many different. Well, I mean, if you want to spread out even more, I mean, obviously, you know, working with with children um, and oddly enough, uh, I think my my wedding planner was a was a social worker. I always feel like social work sort of lends itself to things like to event planning. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. right? Very does, similar. Does. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's those skills. I mean, those skills are, are are really important and they can they really translate to to some other careers as well. Yeah. Well, I personally have experienced my as I said before, how invaluable social work is mm -hmm. in many different areas for me and my family. Amy, I'm grateful for what you do. Thank you. It's an amazing profession. I think you, um, you I think you I know you. And I know you are living what you wanted to live, which is being able to give back and, and give value to people. And I know that you do that. So yep. thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for you and your team who take such great care of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on the programs. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right.